welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, I want you to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. And when you have it, give me an amen so that I know that you're here with me. 1 Kings 19, 1 through 8. And if you don't have your Bibles this morning, I got you up here. Amen. We got it? We're ready? This is the word of God we're reading. Are we ready to hear it? Okay. And it says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4 says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came out and sat under a broom tree. And he sat, and I'm sorry, and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Amen. Did you get that? I've entitled today's message, Don't Stop Now. Um, so as I mentioned, I, we just got back from, from vacation. We went to Mexico. We went to uh, Cancun. And I, I, feel, I feel great. I feel rested. And I was, I was kind of torn this time around uh, as to where we should go. Melissa already told you that you know, she, the vacations are more for me. And that's true. Every time we're about to go on vacation, she, she tells me, okay, you, you pick wherever you want to go. Um, you know, if it were up to Melissa, she'd take a staycation. She'd stay at home and watch Netflix and eat ice cream and drink Dr. Pepper. That is her ideal vacation, and she would do that. Um, but not me. I, I like to travel. I like to you know, see the world. And I also like to kind of take those like, adventure type of vacations. And I'm, always, I'm usually a planner on vacation. Uh, I usually, I typically have a, an itinerary because this day we're going to do this, this day we're going to do that. And, um, so I was trying to decide where we were going to go and I wanted to do something different this time around. I wanted to go somewhere that we had never been. And, and so we started looking at, uh, like Rome and, and Greece and all these different types of places. We wanted to do Ireland. We were going to do Alaska for a while and then we decided not to. And I kept going back and forth. I, I would probably spend like two hours. It was obsessive. Two hours a night looking at vacations for like a week straight. And I couldn't decide because the one thing that was holding me back were the flight times. I don't know if you've ever traveled across the, across the world. I've traveled. You know, we, We've been to India. We've been to Africa. And those flight times are crazy, 15, 20, 25 hours, and then you have layovers. And so I was looking at places like Rome and Greece, and the flight times were like 15, 17 hours. And I, I was like, man, that does not sound like a vacation to me. And, and so finally, I realized that I really just wanted like a vacation, like a true vacation, 
Like, I didn't want to go exploring the world. I didn't want to go, you know, sightseeing. I didn't want to be walking around all day. I just wanted, I just wanted to relax. And so instead of going to any place exciting, we decided to go to Cancun for like the fifth time. And uh, it was a two-hour flight, all-inclusive resort. You can't, you can't beat that. Amen. And I, I came to the realization that I didn't want to go to any of these other places when I started to think about um, that, that, that it wouldn't be much of a vacation. I wanted to rest. I, I was feeling tired. Like, this wasn't me wanting a vacation. Like, I truly felt for the first time in my life I needed a vacation. Obviously, no one needs to go to an all-inclusive resort to Mexico, but I needed rest. And there's a Spanish song. When, when I was reading this text that I was reminded of, you probably know it's by Jesus Adrián Romero that begins with the words, Cansado del Camino. You guys know that song, right? It says, I'm tired of this journey. Have you ever felt, church, like you just needed a vacation from life? Like not from what you do, but from who you are. Like you're tired of dealing with the same thing, the same struggles every day. You're tired of waking up with the same responsibilities, with that same job. You wish those bill collectors would call someone else for a change. You wish your kids would nag someone else for a change. You were, you're tired of your husband or your wife demanding so much from you. you. You need to escape it. But we can't really escape life. And because we can't escape life, unfortunately, many wish to exit theirs. And some people attempt it, some people think about it, some people go through with it. Now, when we read this text, it doesn't sound to me like Elijah is the suicidal type, but, but he knows that it would be so much easier for him if God just took him out. Maybe that's you today. Or maybe you've had those thoughts before. God, just, God, just take me out already. I'm done. I'm tired. I had someone say that to me. They, they kind of felt guilty they asked me, they said, Pastor, do you ever feel, do you ever, um, do you ever just wish that God would just take you out of this life already? And I was surprised by the question. It was a little morbid for me. I was like, whoa. Uh, but I, I understood what they were coming from. Because sometimes life can really just take a toll on you. And, 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 and you're, not about to, you're not about to take uh, the easy way out. But you're telling God, God, it would be so much easier if you just, if you just made it happen. And maybe you're in that situation today. Or maybe when you have those feelings, you start feeling guilty. Like those are feelings, those are thoughts that, that people have who have no hope. Those are only thoughts for the people who have no Jesus. Not for the children of God. We have everything that we need in God. So you kind of try to rebuke yourself when you start feeling those things. Elijah is a godly man. He is an incredible, he's got an incredible calling over his life and God is using him. He left and right. He's a bold man. He'll, I mean, if you read through his story, he'll offend you. He'll, he'll run over you if you're in the way, but he's also kind hearted. He's given to the needy and he's determined. He's faithful to the Lord and to his work and nothing is going to stop him from accomplishing what he set out to accomplish. He's like some of those people that you occasionally look at and you ask yourself, man, how, what fuels them? You know someone like that in your life? Like, you look at them and you're like, how can they keep going in the midst of adversity when life is just weighing so heavy on them and they wake up every morning and they don't just sit, they don't just lay in bed. They're ready to go. They're getting up. How is it that they never stop? That's Elijah. And he's doing all of this work 
for the kingdom of God because he's a godly man, but even godly men and women sometimes want out. Prior to this event, if you read his story, Elijah had been, he'd been working, man. He'd been hustling, you know, diligently as the Lord's prophet. And he's going out and and he's going to wherever God calls him to go. And he's speaking to whoever God is telling him to speak to. He's praying over families. He's bringing little boys back from the dead through his prayers. He's out there slaying the 400 prophets of Baal to prove that his God is the one true God. He's working hard. Have you ever felt, church, that you've just been working, working, working for God, and he doesn't really appreciate you? Like, it's one thing if your husband doesn't appreciate you. Sometimes I walk in, you know, the house, and I'm just like, did you, did you notice anything? And I'm like, oh, you cleaned. Thank you for cleaning, right? Or, or, or maybe, maybe you got your hair cut once, and, and uh, he didn't notice I, I often get my hair cut. Melissa never notices. Um, that, wasn't a, that wasn't a joke. <laughs> but sometimes it's one thing if, you're, if your spouse doesn't notice the hard work that you're putting in. It's another thing if, if your kids don't notice the hard work that you put in every day for their own sake. And they never say thank you. And they never stop to give you a hug and say, Mom, thank you for everything that you do for me. Dad, thank you for everything that you do for me. It's a whole other thing when God doesn't seem to appreciate the work that you're doing for him. Be careful, church. Let me just tell you right now, be careful when you say yes to God because he will use you in more ways than you ever intended to be used. And he'll work you to the point where you're not going to want to go on anymore. It's kind of like when you sign up for, for personal training. I don't know if anyone here has had a personal trainer before, but some people hate personal trainers there there's this trainer at at uh, at my gym he has this client um i know this because i kind of work out during the same time as their session and this the the client he's always complaining to his trainer always like i I don't know how you expect me to do that that's too much weight Uh, i can't do that many reps uh, seriously, you want me to do all these burpees? No, and he's like dead serious, and he's like complaining, and I'm thinking to myself, this guy is wasting his money because he said yes by hiring this trainer, but he's saying no to everything he's asking him to do. How many times do we do that with God? Yes, God, I will go wherever you lead me. Okay, I'm going to call you into ministry. Wait, hold up, God. Hold up. Hold on. Let's be more practical than that, okay? Let, can, we, can, we, can, we, can I get like a custom plan? You know what I mean? God, I will trust in you through the worst of the storms. Oh, man, we say that so easily when it's sunny outside. So easily. God, I will trust you. I will go. I will, I will take the leap of faith. But then the storm starts coming, and you're like, God, dang, where are you, man? I don't know how much longer of this I can take. And we want progress, church. We want progress after every ounce of work or we get discouraged. And I think it's because our society has become so accustomed to rewards after hard work done. We want rewards for anything. I was telling Joel the other day that I have, one of the, I have a credit card, and it's, it's got a pretty high limit. But I was complaining to him because it didn't, it, it didn't pay any rewards. <laughs> like all these credit cards these days, they, they give you rewards. But I have this one that doesn't give me anything. That's our society. We want rewards after everything that we do. We expect something good from, from doing something good every time. And the Bible even says, 
like Proverbs 12, 11, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. And we take verses like this and we Americanize them. We take it to mean that, okay, whenever I work hard, I will get my reward. So you work all day, every day to get a paycheck on Friday. I've also seen this firsthand in Layla. I, I see how very little motivated she is when I ask her to clean her room. You know, and she, she moves really slow and she's like, oh, I don't want to. And she's like, oh, can you help me? But if she thinks that there's a reward at the other end of it, she'll go upstairs. We won't hear from her for like 20, 30 minutes. And then she'll come downstairs and, and she'll be all excited. She's like, come look, I clean my room. She put her, all her stuff under her bed. And she's like, okay, take me to Target now. Like, I mean, we want rewards for everything. People leave their jobs. People leave companies because they feel like they're not being rewarded enough. And I get all of that, church. And I, and I hope that people are appreciating you. And I, I try to make it a point to send out text messages uh, to some people here at our church who, who really, I see work hard. And, and I tell them, hey, thank you. If, I've, if I haven't told you in, in, in the past few months or the past year, thank you for working so hard. People want to be appreciated. And so many times when we're working for the kingdom of God and we're putting in some toil because this is the way that God wants it, we often get upset when our work doesn't lead to a blessing right away. We start to complain. We start to feel sorry for ourselves. And we start to get a little bit hesitant the next time God tells us what our next move should be. And what about, church, what about when the hard work doesn't just not lead to a blessing. What about when it leads to more hardship? What about when it leads to suffering for the good work that you're putting in and you can't see the end of it? So in your mind, you're just thinking, oh, this is my life. This is it. I'm always going to be suffering as a result of what God has called, you to, called me to do. Maybe it's full-time ministry. So you think, well, dang, that means I'm always going to be broke. Maybe, maybe, you know, he's called you to trust in him in something. And, 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 and so you're taking a leap, a leap of faith. But every time you take a leap of faith, like Peter, you begin to sink. Have you ever taken that? Have you ever done that before? Have you ever taken a leap of faith, but the outcome wasn't what you thought it was going to be? This is, this is the opposite of what we preach. We preach, hey, you take that leap of faith and you see what God is going to do. But what about when you take the leap of faith? And the result wasn't what you thought it was going to be. What about when you took that leap of faith about uh, when, when, when Christ told you to, to, to speak to someone about, about the gospel and you had that kind of internal battle that everyone has? Oh, is this really the Holy Spirit or is this me? I, I, I don't know. What, what if he says no? What if, he, what if things get awkward? And you take that leap of faith and you put yourself out there. And in your mind, you're like, oh, man, he's going to come to Christ. You know, if I just respond, if I just if I just give in and I just listen to the Holy Spirit, he's going to start telling me his testimony. He's going to come to church the next day and he's going to get baptized. He's going to get saved. And then you take that leap of faith and the outcome is completely opposite. He gets offended. He gets mad. He walks away. He doesn't even want to hear it. Things get awkward. I remember years ago when my parents first started uh, pastoring my uh, my mom decided to, to take a leap of faith. I might have told you this before. She tied, uh, decided to take a leap of faith to quit her job. She was mar- making a very comfortable salary. She had benefits. She had insurance for, for the whole family. And she quit her job. She took this massive pay cut, no, no benefits, no insurance, to pastor full time. And I thought they were crazy 
I was looking at the, you know, from the outside in. I think I was barely about to start going to college, so that's why I was a little bit more concerned. Uh, and I remember telling my mom, are you sure this is going to work? Like, like we, we barely make it now. Like, are you sure this is a, a good idea? And it was a leap of faith that they took. And I remember my mom telling me, you know, we're going to be fine. God's going to provide. And I know that they had all the faith in the world and God. But I also remember the market crashing. I also remember us losing a house and us getting a car repossessed. I remember the struggle for a little bit. But we thought that the leap of faith was going to lead to a blessing. Now, back to the story here. I imagine Elijah, as he's running away to escape this wicked queen, Jezebel, he's fearful for his life. He's, he's tired of always being the unpopular one. And he's thinking to himself, man, when am I going to get my blessing? Because I'm out here and I'm doing all these things. I'm doing all this work for the kingdom of God. But now I'm alone and I'm running through the desert because someone is trying to kill me. For what? For standing up and being the man of God that you called me to be. And he gets driven to that point of frustration. To where he says, God, it's enough. It's enough. Take my life. Take my life. This man of God. Quitting, calling it quits. Now, if you read through the scriptures, he's not the only one that's gone through something like this. If you recall Moses, when the, when the people of, of, of God, the Israelites, they were complaining to him over every little thing, every single thing. After Moses led them out of captivity, Moses tells God, if you will treat me like this, kill me at once. When God called Jonah to the Ninevites, he says, Now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jeremiah, the prophet, cursed the day that he was born. He said, Why did I come out of the womb to see toil and sorrow? Job did the same thing. These mighty warriors of faith that we preach about, that we have this mad respect for, they all had their share of enough. And when those seasons of enough stop by and they pay you a visit, man, I I know that it can be so overwhelming. You begin to look for an out. I've been there. I'm sure you've been there. And you're telling God, God, I can't do this anymore, man. I'm tired of what people are saying about me. I'm tired of what people think about me. I'm tired of being the unpopular one. I'm tired of people not wanting to, to hang out with me because I'm, I'm the pastor and they, have, they feel like they have to act a certain way around. I've had enough. And the Bible says that Elijah lay down and he slept under a broom tree. Now, by the context of this entire passage, it doesn't sound to me like Elijah was taking a break. It sounds like he was calling it quits. He wasn't just resting his head, his eyes for a minute. He was, he was giving up. He had had enough. He's done. Elijah, this false prophet slayer, this prayer warrior, this mighty man of the faith is now throwing in the towel. Church, why, why, why do we try to act so strong when we're not? Why? Have you ever thought about that? Why do we, why do we try to keep up? This appearance of, of this super upright, righteous person that's got all, everything figured out. Why, why do we go through these seasons alone? Verse 3 says that Elijah left his servant in Beersheba and continued to the wilderness alone. And we still do this. We still do this. Maybe, maybe you're here today 
and you're alone in your wilderness and you leave everyone at church where they last saw you with your hands raised and you were at the altar and you were, you were reading the verses and you were saying amen. You were nodding your head so that people around you could, could, could think, man, what a great Christian. Or maybe you leave it on social media when you post the verses and the devotionals and the testimonies so that everyone who sees that can think, man, I wish I had his faith. I wish I had her faith. And you leave everyone there. But when you go home and when you log off your social media accounts, you're tired, you're on the verge of giving up, but no one would ever know it because you left everyone outside. God didn't call you to be alone, church. God didn't call you to be alone. I don't know who needs to hear that this morning, but God didn't call you to be alone. He did not call you to suffer alone. You might suffer. You might experience pain, but he didn't ask you to do it by yourself. The very first thing, the very first observation that God made when he made man, he says, it is not good for man to be alone. We were created. We're a body of Christ, man. We're the body of Christ. We're called to be in unity. We're called to lift each other up in prayer. You're not called to be alone. And church, this morning, I want to encourage you that as long as you have a breath of life in you, man, don't stop. Don't stop now. Come on, tell the person next to you, man, don't stop. But like really encourage them, you know, just don't, don't stop. Because you got to know that when you look into that person's eyes, they're going through something that you might not know about. Encourage them. God, don't stop. Don't stop now. If you still have more to give, it's because you were called for more than what you've currently given. God wasn't done with Elijah. God wasn't done with Moses. God wasn't done with Jonah. He wasn't done with Job and Jeremiah. And God isn't done with you. And you might be tired this morning. You might be weak. You might be in your valley. You might be in the lowest point of your life. And you're not motivated. And you don't even want to get out of bed every day. And you don't want to even put clothes on because you don't want to see people. God isn't done with you yet. Don't stop now. Maybe you've been thinking about just quitting, man. Maybe something that you thought God called you for is not quite working out. So you're thinking about quitting. Don't stop, man. Maybe, maybe you're having some marriage issues and, and, and as much as you told yourself that your mind would never go there, you're starting to think about divorce. Don't stop now. I know life is hard, church. And I know that not quitting is so much easier said than done. You might be listening to this and you're thinking, man, pastor, but this, my life's a little bit more complicated than that, you know? My situation's a little bit more complicated than that. And I get that. And maybe one Bible story doesn't necessarily reflect your life. Maybe it doesn't, maybe it's not going to work out for you the same way that it worked out for Elijah. But I want you to go with me for a second. I'm almost done. We read in the, in the last verses of that passage, we read that an angel appears to Elijah. Now, this could be like an angel, like, like a, you know, a heavenly host, or it could simply mean messenger. A lot of times in scripture, they were, they were synonymous. And, and, and so God, God still sends angels, church. 
God still sends angels. I don't know if you believe that. I don't know if you're like, "Mm, does he? No, God still sends angels. It might not be in the form of this, you know, radiant angelic being who's coming down and singing praises but but it might be someone different but they've got a word from god it's a sign from god god is speaking to you maybe even through your own situation we have to open our eyes and we have to be attentive to the angels that god is sending us to try to strengthen and encourage us the bible says then the angel said to elijah rise and eat In other words, keep going. Keep going. Strengthen yourself. Refuel yourself. You know, sometimes, church, I just need to refuel myself. Can I just can I just be honest with you for a second? Um, Can I tell you that there are times, excuse me, when I'm preparing a sermon, and I just feel like what I'm putting into the sermon is kind of off. I guess I I I go through it. I'm like. Is, is, this, is this you, God? And sometimes I get com- almost completely done with the, with the sermon, and I, I scratch it. It's very frustrating. <laughs> and I scratch it because I don't want to be the one speaking. I want the Holy Spirit to do that. And there, there are other times where I'm preparing a sermon, and, 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 and God is speaking, man. And I'm, it's like I'm copying pasting. I'll get done in like an hour. All I have to do is type it up. But other times, a lot of times... I'm just not in that sermon prep mood. Just being transparent with you as a as your pastor. And I go to God and I I, I complain and I throw fits and I kind of get in a little bad mood the rest of the week. And you know, because I, I it's kind of like whenever I don't know if in school you had to like come up with the topic, you know, the topic's yours to choose and you have to write an essay on it, but you're so frustrated because you can't think of anything to write about. That's how that's how I, I do it sometimes. I'm like, God, I don't know what to what to preach about. And you're not speaking to me. Come on. Come on. And I'm getting frustrated with God. When those weeks come, I have to refuel. I was so, and I was so encouraged, man, this, this week because uh, um, I, I, I follow this. this I'm, I'm a part of this uh, pastors under 40 uh, group on, on Facebook. And, and someone asked that question. Someone asked, does anyone ever feel like their sermon prep is just off? And, man, there was like a plethora of comments. And I was like, man, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. You weren't called to be alone. I'm normal, praise God. But when those weeks come, I'll need a break. And I'll take that break. I'll, I'll take a, a week or two from, from preaching. And I'll just dive in to the word of God and spend some personal time with him and just refuel. That's what we have to do sometimes is refuel. That's what Elijah did. He had to refuel. But sometimes, that's still not enough. The Bible says that Elijah ate, drank, and then he laid back down. He still wasn't quite there yet. And sometimes, church, man, let me just tell you, you're, you're not going to be there yet. You're not going to feel like bouncing back so quickly. But I'm going to tell you just the same way that the angel said to Elijah the second time, arise, eat, for the, for the journey is too great. Did you get that? I want you, I want you to really pay attention to that. After Elijah kind of refueled himself a little bit, he still wasn't there yet. And the angel says, he, he offers some very encouraging, very profound words that, that, that is still true for every single one of us. Arise, eat, for the journey is too great. 
Church, I don't know if you're, if anyone's here this morning and this word is for you. Listen, your calling, your ministry, your marriage, your promise, your purpose is too great for you to quit. Don't stop now. There will, there is a God who will be by your side. He will be your strength. He will be your hope. He will be your provision. He will be your joy, your sustainer. But you can't stop now. You got to keep going. You can't stop. And I, ho- I don't know if there's someone in this room that needs to hear this word, but I'm hoping that I'm speaking to someone. God has prepared you for more. So keep working. No matter where you're at. No matter what you're in. No matter what the storm is like. No matter how bad it hurts. No matter how tired your legs are. No matter how tired your hands are. No matter how tired and weary your heart is. And you're thinking, man, I'm so mentally just driven. I am done. God has more for you. Don't stop. Don't stop. This word was for me. And I hope that it spoke to someone this morning. You have a journey that is greater than you. And God is calling you. God is trying to work you. Don't stop now, church. Don't stop. Now I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.